Hey there, welcome to Shooting This Shit. I'm Oscar Molina. And I'm Alex Lee. We were random roommates. And now we're random best mates. Oscar, how are you doing? How are you doing in this crazy quarantine time? Uh, not too bad. You know, I'm back here out in LA, came back home, left my house out in Mountain View up in the Bay Area, took a, you know, after they announced that the quarter was gonna be entirely online, I was like, I'm gonna just go back home and spend time with my family. Um, oh, nice, and all my nice, other nice. housemates. So, so you're around uh, loved ones and you, you, it's kind of like a like fun, fun time for you? Uh, so far, yeah, it's been be pretty nice. fun. Yeah, how are must you? Be, must be, <laughs> it must be real nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it Uh-oh. is. How are, you, how are you doing with all your friends out there in Texas? Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, all the friends that I live with. Um, well, seeing that the two areas that I enjoy being around, uh, you know, New York and California, specifically the Bay Area, seeing that both of them are kind of like fucked up at the moment, it's probably best that I'm sticking around here in Houston. It's not that much fun in terms of like the quarantine time, but, you know, we're all trying to do the best that we can and not, you know, not wither away into our our, our shells. So that was a, that was a very optimistic start to our first episode. And I, 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 and we haven't even introduced ourselves yet. So do you want to take it away? And I'm going to try and regain my composure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. Yeah, no, difficult times for us. And it's like, I was joking earlier, you know, a lot of podcasts are slowly transitioning into doing things remotely. But funny enough for us, we're kicking off our podcast during this remote time. And, you know, we've been trying to do this podcast for a while. We had done some attempts when we were living together. Um, But now Alex and I live separately. I'm finishing up my master's at Stanford right now. That's actually where Alex and I met back when we were freshman roommates. But now, Alex, you're out in Texas. I'm out out here in in H-Town in Houston working in a very lucrative, very lucrative oil and gas industry that is... (laughs) doing super, super well at this moment. But yeah, this is, I think this is a great little, you know, break and uh, it, it's a way that I like to de-stress. I, there's no better way for me to distract myself from the horrors of this world than talking with my best bud, Oscar. And yeah, you just wanna hop right into it? Yeah, let's go for it. So today, kind of the topic of the day that we're trying to hit up today um, is actually one of, the initial points that I think Alex and I sort of, you know, bonded on was we were raised on television. You would agree, Alex? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, with that, we, you know, we spent a lot of time in front of the TV as kids. And so um, we wanted to kick off the episode and this podcast with talking about our top 10 favorite childhood shows that we, you know, just enjoyed watching and that were fond um, to us. So mm-hmm. kind of the structure, Alex, you want to explain kind of how we'll run through it? Yeah, so we've got we've each made a independent 10 top 10 list of uh, the shows that we enjoyed as a, as a child. So we're just going to run a countdown working our way down to number one. Um, and we're just going to kind of like dive into it's, it's kind of like a free form structure. It's just dive into like your favorite memories associated with it, why you got into it, what it means to you as a 23-year-old looking back on these potentially dumb cartoons. And yeah, do you want to get started on number 10? What's your number 10, Oscar? Yeah, on my list for number 10, I got this show called X-Men Evolution. Okay. Yeah, so I guess with this show, it's just, uh, as it goes, 
I think just as a young boy, superheroes are pretty much the shit in everything that you do. Uh-huh. And so X-Men, I think, was one of my favorite just Marvel comic series because it's a team of just superheroes. And a lot of them, you know, started off as students. So that was a cool concept. And in X-Men Evolution, they were all, I think, in like middle school or high school. So that was pretty gnarly to watch just these kids going to school and then um, being superheroes. And I think the thing that got me into it most of all was Nightcrawler, you know, the superhero that can teleport. And I had always wanted to be able to teleport. And so just watching him and he was also kind of a funny, zany character in the show. He was kind of the goon. And that's sort of how I Uh describe myself. So um, being able to see that in a show was pretty fun you know just a bunch of teenagers hanging out and they happen to have these crazy powers so i put that one on my number two did you ever want a tail i think a tail would have been cool funny enough back in i think third grade one of my research projects was on the um spider monkey which are known for using their tails a lot to Mm. hang and so i thought a tail was always cool so that's probably what kind of got me hooked on nightcrawler is my favorite uh, character what do you got on your number 10 i got for my number 10 funny that you were talking about wanting to identify with like teenagers and people in middle school because my number 10 is codenamed kids next door nice or knd for short have you heard of this one i have this was uh correct me if i'm wrong a cartoon network show cartoon network um i believe by an australian uh animator which i don't think matters that much for the purposes of the storyline but it it takes place in this universe where kids up to the age of 13 have formed different bases around the world to fight the scourge of adulthood and i think it was a very interesting concept because it took this perspective of what kids hate kids hate eating vegetables kids hate uh being in like awkward office environments with their parents. Kids hate those narky neighbors next door. It took all of these base concepts and dialed it up to like 11. So Mm -hmm. for instance, they live in tree houses that are like massive bases. They like live there. They have like beds there tricked out with all of this like space age technology. And then they're basically fighting these caricatures of, you know, like, narky children the delightful children from down the lane who are basically like rich prep kids who make fun of them um they're fighting like the the main villain of the show is called father he's just this silhouetted typical father who just yells and he has like fireballs and i think i i really fell in love with that concept that you could take something from like real life and then just like create like extreme versions of them and also like a super diverse cast for being in like a 2000s animated show like each person in the team like the main team sector v they were all from like different countries they had their own like you know character arcs throughout the show so that's my number 10 dope 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 all right i guess we'll shoot it off to number nine on number nine i had uh phineas and ferb do you know this one alex i know this one we are um that was like (laughs) like borderline not childhood for us anymore yeah yeah that was i enjoyed it as well yeah this show phineas and ferb dealt with these two brothers um they were actually i think stepbrothers and it pretty much told this tale of just like the wildest craziest summer you could ever have and the boys went off to do a bunch of adventures and build a bunch of crazy cool things and it was just an interesting concept i feel like i probably first started watching the show over the summer which is why i got hooked into it 
I never did anything super crazy over the summer. So that was a time to watch a lot of TV and this, I guess, filled those gaps. I think the one thing that got me about this show that I put for being a reason I put it on here was it because it had this interesting B plot about this platypus, Perry the platypus, who was this spy and had, um, you know, all these things that he was working on trying to fight against this villain called uh, Dr. Doofenshmitz. And so that was just kind of this funny thing. And I think being a little bit older when this came out, I was able to appreciate just kind of the ridiculous comedy um, element of that even existing in it. And this one in particular, I I think with a lot of these shows, this one more so, I enjoyed watching with my sister. So I think a lot of the shows that you'll see on my list um, are in part, have some overlap with recalling having watched them with my sister. And I think Phineas and Ferb, it seemed to me like it was one of those first series that kind of like cracked a code of designing a kid's show, but having these like little like jabs and jokes here and there that mm-hmm. were like obviously made for you know adults, maybe people who were closer to our age. Yeah. Which I think is something that got picked up with Cartoon Network shows. If you look at like regular show and Adventure Time, I think they a lot of them have more like adult-oriented jokes nested within a kid's show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know for sure. Um, yeah, so that one made it on number nine. What do you got on your number nine? Very cool. On my number nine, I got a... It's cheating a little bit, but I'm going to kind of bring them together. Star Wars The Clone Wars, both versions. So there was like an early 2000s version that was two-dimensional and then i don't know if you remember this back in like it may have been like 09 or 2010 they released a 3d animated star wars movie called the clone wars in theaters okay i I remember watching that that. yeah that talks about basically the period between and this is where it's like geeking out on star wars is the period between episode two and three where they're fighting in the clone wars like the clones have just been uh I guess, recruited for the Republic to fight against the droids and the, um, the Federation. And what interested me, I think this was when I was in this, like, edgy, like, violence age yeah. um, of my childhood, where I was, like, really enamored by, like, big wars. I was one of those kids back in the day that was really into, like, Call of Duty and knowing a lot about, like, military history. And the Clone Wars, I think, was rife with all of these big, like, set pieces and wars i you know i got to see what the toll was like on the regular soldier i.e like a clone trooper um and something else that was cool about the show was that it's like an anthology that kind of followed different main characters so one day you might be with anakin on his own mission you might be with his padawan on another mission you might be with like ben kenobi you might even be with like a totally random character i remember one episode in particular was talking about like fresh recruits to the clone army or like, you know, they were just uh, manufactured, I guess. And then they were sent out to this like distant base that had a bunch of like monsters. And then there was like a dynamic between the new soldier and then the hardened veteran soldier. And these were characters that we just like had no association with them at all at the beginning of the episode. But then by the end, you realize like, oh snap, like I'm so sad that this person sacrificed themselves for the, the greater cause. So kind of left a, a good impression on me yeah no it sounds like some pretty solid plots feel like i wasn't ever as much into plots that early on <laughs> but you know you're you're a smart refined dude so not, i wouldn't expect <laughs> I <appreciate> less <laughs> but your your number eight actually had some pretty solid plot if i remember correctly 
Yeah, um, so on number eight, I got Danny Phantom, which was a Nickelodeon show that came out back, I think, what is it, uh, 2004? So we were decently young. We were born in 96, so what were we, like, eight? Oh, yeah, you don't, you don't have to justify this one. This one was solidly childhood. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're not questioning my my choice. But if follow this kid, Danny Phantom, you know, who got these powers where he was, like, half ghost, half teenage boy. Again, the concept of a teenager, you know, those were who were the cool kids when you were, you know, younger. Uh-huh. Um, but he had to, like, save his town, and he had, like, his best friends that were, like, with him. I think what drew me to this show in particular was that this was, like, one of the most punk shows ever. <laughs> you know, and even now, people, there's all these, like, fan fictions and things about just, like, girls, like, loving Danny Phantom. Oh, no. <laughs> because of his look and, you know, his style, it's like this grungy look when he goes into ghost mode his like outfits all black yeah, he's yeah. got like this white hair green uh-huh. eyes so you know he's uh the heartthrob if you will but on yeah, my that's, end that's funny that you say it's funny that you say grungy because there was an actual character sam yeah right? who was like literally a goth yeah she was a goth and this was like one of his best friends the girl and then he had his homeboy tucker but yeah no so it was kind of coin and embrace that and everyone knows like the early 2000s was big on punk rock and that's like one of my favorite music genres so it just kind of blended uh-huh. and i think i appreciate it even more so now than back then but yeah you have a nickelodeon show for your number eight right Let's was it a nickelodeon show completely for, yeah no, i do my number eight is drake and josh so we're we're flipping a little bit to the the non-animated zone yeah drake and josh just like I, I, I don't know, like, exactly how to encapsulate my, like, love of the show. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, I remember seeing it from the very first episode where um, their parents, like, first, like, marry. And, like, Drake, like, just immediately knows. Or, like, I think they went to high school together. So, like, he knows that, like, Josh is just this, like, outcast. And it's just kind of, like, this goofy character. And he just, like, hates it. But just so many, like, fantastic, like, memes came out of it. Like more recently, which I think has reinvigorated my my love of of Drake and Josh. You know, my I I remember fondly one episode was when they're both trying to kick a habit. Josh is trying to kick his game sphere habit. Okay. Um, and Drake is trying to kick his like junk food habit. And in like the the climax of the episode, they're both trying to like I guess coax the other into falling back into their unhealthy habit so josh makes this like candy land in their room by the way their room is an iconic spot and i always wanted something like that that had like that like drake's lofted bed he makes this candy land and they have this chocolate milk pool with a little white chocolate cup and for whatever reason that is like one of my brightest memories of that show just because i wanted some candy land setting like josh had made no, I respect that. I, I, I wish I had room for Drake and Josh on mine. Because, you know, that was a really fun show. I think one of the funny things is the character that played Josh. What's his name in real life? Josh Peck? Yeah, Josh Peck. Those are their real names. Yeah, it was a real name. Yeah, yeah. Drake Bell, Josh Peck. But there's this, like, YouTube channel that I watch or this, like, you know, group of YouTubers called The Vlog Squad. And he, like, my sister got me into that YouTube channel. But Josh Peck frequently appears just doing, like, stupid pranks and stuff on the show. And it's interesting seeing him all grown up he's like married and everything he's super fit now too yeah he's like lena yeah Sack. yeah but it's funny like having his association from drake and josh and then seeing him on this like 
group of like you know like young youtubers uh doing their thing yeah and the man's like what like 40 now <laughs> yeah yeah no they're they're definitely <laughs> he's like a little yeah he's getting up there yeah she's got the scruff going on but i uh-huh. think that uh that'll bring us to number seven show fantastic that, segue yeah a little bit of segue there um with one of the stars that came out of drake and josh he was little at the time in there but miranda cosgrove who went off to star in um the show called iCarly, also a nickelodeon show this one, again, enjoyed watching this one with my sister. This one was closer to, I guess, when we were in middle school. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, this was a teen sitcom, as you might call it. But it was also just a comedic show. You know, just lots of bits and a lot of quotable things came out of the show. It was just, like, stupid and ridiculous, like the stuff that they would do, um, you know, between um, the friends Sam and Freddie. You know, it's that trifecta gang, right? Is that a recipe in shows? The power of like oh threes. absolutely a recipe yeah yeah and you know whether it's two boys and a girl or uh what's it called two girls and a guy whatever that combo so that was like key here and i think one of the funniest things on the show was um iCarly's older brother who just did stupid stuff and then gibby gibby was just the he <laughs> was a chubby character but that dude was hilarious that man's also just killing it now in life i feel it was just like grew up you know at that point in time who who's not awkward and you know, that age period. Right, right. But this show, I remember the finale it was like me, my sister and my mom. My mom was just in the kitchen, but my sister and I were watching it. And oh, it was, it was such a, real, a real family event. Yeah, it was such a sad ending. My sister ended up crying. I was a little sad. It was like rough. But, you know, I think this was kind of slightly the whole show was almost like a sketch the entire time. And I appreciated yeah. that at that early st- stage. It reminded me a little bit of the, uh, the Amanda Vine show. Okay, interesting, with, like, different segments. Yeah, and just, like, kind of the chaos of it, really. But, yeah, that's that's on my number seven. What do you got? Oh, my God, I'm forgetting everything. I got Pokemon, of course. I My, I guess, first introduction to the entire world of Pokemon was, uh, I was doing a family trip to Hong Kong, where most of my mom's side of the family is, and my dad always had this tradi- tradition where when we went to Hong Kong, we would go to the, the street markets in Wong Kong, which is like a bunch of like open uh, stalls in the street. And he would always let me pick out like three or four like video games from mm-hmm. the, the racks. And now, you know, that that was like the time of my life because I got this little kid's got like, you know, four new video games that he gets to play. What I didn't know at the time was that all of them are pirated. All of them are broken cartridges. Nice. <laughs> so I'm just like. I'm just like sitting on my my grandma's couch and I'm just like, you know, like popping in these cartridges one after another, trying all these different games. Um, and all of them have like broken English. And for the longest time, I thought Pokemon Sapphire, like Nosepass was called Elixmon because that's the text that came up oh, nice. um, in the game. And I kept telling my friends, hey, did you catch like Elixmon? And it's like, what are you talking about? Wait, what console um, was this but- on? This is on the Game Boy SP. Okay, I, dude, I bought we all of them the on Game the, Boy SP. Yeah, that was yeah. the OG. Uh, that was a little segue, though, into the, my introduction. But, you know, that I, I started with the video games, and then I got really into... I think I, I watched the first three generations in earnest, where they're in Kanto, Johto, and, and Hoenn. Um, I just, like, I loved being able to, like, cheer Ash on through all the leagues and... It was it was really interesting to see how Pokemon as a franchise handles both the anime, manga, and video game versions of all of their characters because mm-hmm. everything is like always like a little different. So I felt like with Pokemon there was always like a wealth of content to consume. 
I, and, and I still love Pokemon as a concept, although I haven't played the video games in so long. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that they're, they're still kicking it. They're still pushing out new, uh, new content. It's just, I, I personally fell off the train at like generation four and I think they're on generation eight now. Yeah, no, some, sometimes these things just go way beyond your lifetime. And it's like, if you look at it, it feels four. And if you look at it now compared to like the model, you sort of formed of it at your, at your early stages. For number six, this kind of ties to like remembering it from a certain phase. So Fairly Odd Parents is my number six, another Nickelodeon show. Watched a lot of Nickelodeon. This is when we had cable back in the day because there were points where we stopped having cable and my mom just cut it out. Um, but when we did have it, Fairly Odd Parents was on there and the show ended up running, I think, to like 20. Dude, I think it's still running. <laughs> I think this is, it's a good parallelism with mine because these are just like shows that have gone on like way beyond yeah. our attention span. Yeah, I just pulled it up and I think it ended in 2017. That was three years ago. Dude, that's that's so recent. That's, that's very, very recent. <laughs> so we were seniors in college when that finished up. And I started watching it probably when I was five years old, which is pretty ridiculous. And I think one of the funny things with this show is, is like the way age progresses in a show isn't equivalent to real life. Yeah. You know, it's like you celebrate your your birthday every three years in real life in a show but fairly odd parents was one of my top ones it was just you know kind of fun whimsical introduced the magic concept you know where this kid timmy turner could do whatever and i know alex you and i we appreciate some fairly odd parent memes and videos yeah so there's this yeah it's just pretty quotable it's fun i lost track i think of the show after the fairly odd the baby, parents right? cosmo and wanda had the little baby I was like, nope, yeah. people be having kids out here. I can't follow along no more. <laughs> this ain't for children to watch. <laughs> um, and then the... Yeah, fa fairly, odd, fairly Odd Parents was never the same after it became a telenovela about motherhood and parenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not at all. And then there was the really buff um, fairy... What was his name? Jurgen. Yeah, that was just hilarious. <laughs> I forgot his last name. Obviously a, a ripoff of Orange Fortune. <laughs> yeah, ripoff, massive chin, hilarious dude, wearing camo all the time. So yeah, that was that was my number six right there. What do you got? I got uh, another show about precocious young kids, the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Anyone who knew me in middle school knows that I had modeled certain parts of my life after Zach and Cody. Interesting, okay. I can't exactly point to why I was like so attracted to that show it might be because i felt like we were in that age where we could relate to zach and cody a little bit i think i also just had like a little crush for brenda's song as well my man my Lund man Tipton. <laughs> get him but also also ashley tisdale as manny fitzpatrick i think both of them were like they were like a a winning duo they were not gonna lie i feel you straight yeah. up there <laughs> But the, the biggest thing that I modeled my, my life around was that I want to grow my hair out <laughs> as they were growing their hair out. <laughs> but the thing is, is, like I don't think our hair was would have grown out the same way because theirs grew out like long and down. And the farthest I've ever come is like a massive afro that just refused to drop down. So I think that was just like, those were one of the, kind of like the plunder years of my life where, um, but funny enough, that's how I found my current barber in Chinatown in Manhattan is she was the only barber who was like progressive enough in Chinatown to not immediately cut off all of my hair short. Okay. She would actually help me thin it and help me grow it longer. Yeah. Because obviously like, you know, like, you know, 
the, the Chinese people in Chinatown, you know, if they were serving me at restaurants, they called me like a girl because I had like longer hair or something like that. And my parents would always poke fun at me for that as well. They they left a mark on my life. Yeah, that's that's wild. I feel you on the haircuts though. I feel like for the longest time, I didn't really have a say on the length because of the same things, you know, just standards. Like gender norms yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's like, I'm pretty sure like for the longest time when we'd go to the barber shop, my dad would just tell the barber, all right, give him a zero on the side and a two on top. Let's call it a day. And I was like, I didn't, I don't think until maybe high school or even late high school, I like finally was like, okay, I want to keep letting it grow longer on top and things like that. Yeah. And choosing I would, style. I would straight up avoid some of my older my old barbers in Chinatown, like I would like walk to the opposite side of the street to walk past their shop in case uh, like we, there was this one guy, Sifu, uh-huh. which just means master in Cantonese. He was the guy who owned the barbershop that I used to go to, who would just like shave my head. <laughs> and I would just like, I would essentially just like run away from him. But that might be a story for a different time. Yeah. Right now, I think it's a nice time to take a little break. Uh, and we're going to do one of our first segments for this podcast. We're doing a little Would You Rather so do you want to explain the rules, Oscar? Yeah, yeah. So I think just the general concept, you know, for anyone who's listening and coming in and listening to this episode, I think a thing we're going to try to do in our podcast is to have like these fun little bits or segments where we just kind of throw a curveball at you and just like have something fun that we can mess with. So for today's, we're doing a would you rather question. You're probably familiar with the would you rather questions where you're given like two options and you got to pick one. So we're going to kind of just shoot some of those questions at each other for today. So Alex uh, wanted to do this because he had one in mind. Dude, I'm ready. I'm coming in hot with your uh, fun little coronavirus-themed would-you-rather, specifically about in- the incredibly shameful human nature that has been exposed because of coronavirus. So Oscar, I want to posit the question to you. Would you rather get caught on social media hoarding toilet paper at your house or licking the toilet seat of an airplane toilet just like that crazy girl um on tiktok doing the corona challenge did so it's kind of like you're 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 balancing shame and like physical disgust yeah yeah that's a that's a fun one i was i was nervous with you bringing up a question when you had a would you rather because you had it in (laughs) mind already and I feel like your mind goes to some terrible places sometimes. I come in I come in hot sometimes, but that was a pretty good one, I think. Yeah, I think I feel like I'm pretty good with disgusting things, but I also don't want to risk my life. Like I feel like I'm pretty good with chugging down any food or beverage or things like that and but I think with this one I'm alright with a little bit of shame. You know, people can be hating on me. You know, who knows? Maybe I throw up the post and then afterwards donate it or something. But yeah, I think uh-huh. a cool, cool little little social media pick with some toilet paper could be fun. Maybe I build up a fort or something with okay. it. Right on. So, so that's what your, would you do on this question? What would I do with this question? Yeah, what would you have done, Mister? I, I would probably like just from in in terms of like the <laughs> the residual damage to me. <laughs> I would probably lick the toilet seat. Because I know that those types of images stay online forever. I'm assuming that I didn't record myself licking the goddamn toilet seat because that would live that wouldn't live forever online and would also cause me harm. But I think I would be willing to bite the bullet and lick the toilet seat and avoid a lifetime of shame of being one of those people who hoarded valuable resources for no good reason online. You're a monster. You're a real monster. You hear that, Alex Lee? Hey, one might say that you are also the the monster. All right. As Descartes, 
As Descartes once said, Oscar Moline is the monster. Anyway, your go. You want me to shoot a question, yeah? Go for it. All right, I'm trying to trying to come up with something that'll stay kind of on the, you know, our current crisis theme. Or we could have some escapist, uh, escapist questions. I'm also down for that. Yeah, maybe. Okay, I'm gonna go with something also on sort of resources out here. Would you rather? This one's not super exciting, but would you rather have, you know, infinite like supply of like hand sanitizer, or like an infinite supply of like we'll go with latex gloves, you know? It's like your two protection system. Oh, I would, I already know, I'm already jumping on this. I would do the latex gloves. Okay, what's your reasoning on this one? Okay, because <laughs> this is dumb, but I I immediately heard when, when you said hand sanitizers, lifetime supply, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm gonna start creating super bugs. I can't, I can't uh, go off, I can't pop off on this lifetime supply. Um, latex gloves, however, I'm always gonna be cleaning in my life. I'm always gonna be applying uh, wet rubs to my uh, meat that I'm marinating. I'm always yeah. going to be handling things outside. So, you know, don't want to get my uh, my hands dirty while I'm, you know, like oiling up the car that I totally own. Uh, you know, you never know if you have to deliver like a a, a baby pig, on, you know, on, on the spur of the moment. So always, always great to have latex gloves. That's my answer. All right, now I got to bounce it back to you, what you got. I was going to go with hand sanitizer. And I know I now I realize that now we just each answer the opposite answer to our it's question. It's funny. We didn't actually script that. We truly just yeah. disagree on life in general. Yeah, we disagree on life. And that's why we've uh, had a friendship that's made it through six years. But the hand sanitizer, I just feel like it's more, although the gloves are multi-purpose, the hand sanitizer, I just feel more comfortable. It's more of a like peace of mind that I can like, apply it to my hands and like keep things clean let the super super bugs come but i don't know with gloves i feel like they do keep your hands clean but i feel like whatever my hands are getting dirty with it'll somehow still come in contact with my clothes or my face it doesn't like stop you know the urge of trying to contact some point in my body or wipe it on something else so it's like i don't know where the benefits um like certain situations come in but that's just my thought there <laughs> but cool fun questions All right. Yeah, agree to disagree is the the theme of our lives. Yeah, how you keep friendships going. You want to keep going with this countdown? Yeah, let's bring it back. Let's let's uh, shoot it down. We're down to our top five now. So I'm going to just shoot my number five, Cyber Chase. PBS Kids Show, super hot fire. This is what got me going on education. With every PBS Kids Show, these I associate with watching at my grandma's house. Uh, they didn't have cable, they just had the TV, little antenna. And so pretty much like one of the shows or channels we'd get was PBS Kids. So a lot of shows there and Cyber Chase was just a super cool one. You know, three kids go into this world and they're just solving all these problems. They got motherboard, it mixes tech, science, math. And then they do like these real life uh, problem solving things at the end of the show. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Pretty diverse cast, you know. I think they try to bring in, uh -huh. you know, ethnicity and gender as much as possible into the characters. So that that's my number five. I think, uh, you know, I'd credit it a little bit to having gotten me to be an engineer, you know, oh, in absolutely. the present. So shout out to PBS Kids <laughs> and Cyber Chase. Very cool. My, my, my one memory of the live action section of that show was I was just, like, befuddled when... The live action actress or sorry her, her character didn't know that you couldn't touch the ball with your hands in soccer 
I don't know that that's a super that was a super super specific and random memory where like you know it hap it happens in an indoor soccer field and then she walks up to the ball and she like bends down and she grabs it and then you know the ref whistles there he's like what and like what <laughs> that's funny but you know you can't make assumptions you, you never know yeah no um, who doesn't know the rules of the global sport of the global sport but we have a bias there maybe that'll be something for another time oh. all right my number five I'm doing a, a quick little switcheroo. And maybe I can explain my my reasoning later down the the list. But my number five is actually going to be Shaolin Showdown. I don't know if do you remember Shaolin Showdown? I remember it vaguely. Okay, so it's basically the tale of four monks that were recruited from around the world. So you got you got Clay, who's this like typical uh, cowboy character. You got Raimundo from Rio de Janeiro. You got Kimiko from Japan, and then you got Omi, who I think is just. Asian, Gen general Asian. In, in, in the the wackest part about that was Omi's character literally is just yellow. Oh my goodness, damn! Um, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna have to look this monks. up for context. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, search, search up who I can write to as well. Yeah, um, find those producers, but... track them down, call them out on Twitter or something. Uh, absolutely. So the, the there are these four monks who could control different elements. So it's water, air earth or fire which is a great uh segue to one of my other shows and they go around searching for these like magical instruments that each had like a different power and then they had just a whole bevy of different villains who were after them as well and the reason why it's called shaolin showdown is because when each side touches this magical item that they found in the real world they have to fight over it they have to make some sort of zany challenge to to fight over this this object and something that like i really liked about this was maybe this is what led me on the path to like product design and mechanical engineering but like i just like the things there was all this like lore about these magical instruments so like for example the dragon's tail could help you phase through objects you had a, a mirror that could reverse any like attacks that were thrown at it you had like fire star you had this like sick ass sword that i think control water and a, a lot of the plot was also driven by what you could do when you combine these different objects with each other. So for instance, there's a ghost character who uses the dragon's tail and the mirror together in order to reincarnate herself into this like big like evil witch character. Unfortunately, um, it kind of like ended in its prime. There was this whole buildup, Raimundo was gonna ascend, even though he's like the, the cool badass, like Brazilian kid who didn't follow the rules. He was nominated the leader of his team and then the show died. And we'll never know what happens after that. Mm. So I both I both want to see the show get revived in some way. I also don't want to see Omi as a yellow <laughs> character. He really he really is just yellow from the pictures I. He's like literally he, he's like Simpsons yellow. Yes, yeah, so you got this Brazilian dude, this Western cowboy looking homie, and then the, yeah. the yellow man. That's wild. Okay. <laughs> they were all they were all like a little bit stereotypical. Very yeah. Like, like Ra Raimundo was like, you know, didn't follow the rules. Um, Clay was like massive, very soft-spoken cowboy. Kimiko was just like a tech genius because she's Japanese. Uh, yeah. The things, but... the things you didn't realize, you know, back then. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Half of these shows are probably problematic in, in retrospect. Oh no, most definitely. I digress. I digress. The person you want to talk to is Christy Hui. She was the, the producer for, for that show. Okay. So you can I got her you. Up. Coming after you, Christy. <laughs> But while we're while we're on the topic of diversity in shows, you want to talk about a show that was actually <laughs> pretty solidly diverse, yeah, in a good way. Yeah, my fourth one is on this 
uh, also on the PBS Kids Network, and that was uh, Maya and Miguel. It's Maya mm. and Miguel. So this was a PBS Kids show, again, that I enjoyed because of the diversity representation that it brought up. It was these two siblings. It was these brother and sister, uh, Maya and Miguel. Talked about their adventures of going to school and everything. They were these Latino children. I don't know if they were Mexican-American or not. Of Mexican and Puerto Rican descent is what it says. Um, but it was really cool just having some representation. They were like 10-year-old kids at that point in time. And I think my sister and I were generally around that age. So it was pretty cool just seeing mm -hmm. that on TV. You know, felt homey and comfortable to see. It was pretty fun. And, you know, I just thought it was one of those shows that focused on teaching just a lot of, like, moral and, like, good behavior lessons. And it was pretty fun. So, you know, a lot of the family chaos that comes with Latino families was shown in there. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, so that one just got just mm -hmm. a good warm spot in my heart. Did you, uh, did you feel like looking back on it that the representation was, like, accurate to, like, you could see the the overlap of experiences between what the show was representing in your own life yeah for the most part i think a good amount i think one of the differences is like they featured the grandma a lot in the show and the grandma spoke like english really well so i don't know what generation of latino they were like the education <laughs> status of the family but like yeah. a lot of the cultural components in it were pretty accurate and you know they'd have uh, like some spanish phrases in there so that was pretty cool but yeah it was pretty good i think one of the big challenges with shows like this as a whole I think this would be a fun topic to maybe talk about at some point with representation as a whole is when you go for mm -hmm. this pan Latin American, pan Asian type concepts, you know, where it's like you mm -hmm. have this generic model of a thing so that it's like all inclusive. But then sometimes that's challenging as you generally mesh everyone. I don't know. But I think the show did a pretty good job. Now you're on your number three right yeah so I, I did a little I, I actually did a little switcheroo so I'm on my my number four which was Shaolin Shodan I switched it with Naruto because I realized I'm still really into Naruto I'm realizing in this quarantine that I've just been watching like Naruto fight videos nice <laughs> and so for, for, for those who don't know Naruto started as a manga in Japan it talks about uh basically ninjas but not in the Hollywood sense of the ninja that's like dressed in all black with like a katana, which by the way is also an inaccurate representation. But it talks about he's like you know they they, they wear like colorful uniforms and they each have like controls of different techniques, different parts of nature, and it, it's centered around this one kid Naruto who is imbued with the spirit of the nine tail fox which was this monster that like destroyed his village killed a bunch of people so he's like kind of like semi-possessed by the spirit and so he's kind of like this outcast and so he's trying to like navigate both this social isolation while trying to become like the best ninja ever and i think a theme that's been running through this list is how much can we kind of like relate to the character this the characters that we've been watching mm -hmm. and i think with naruto i kind of like grew up with him a little bit where I started watching him at that awkward preteen age where I felt like I wanted to belong, but I also had this like brewing like edgelord phase in me. So in that respect, Sasuke was also my man. And also I just like looked more like Sasuke. He had black hair um, as opposed to Naruto's blonde hair. And I watched it through to Shippuden um, and I still need to watch Boruto. And these are basically s sequel series that shows Naruto at like 16 years old and then as a father which I think is a great idea that you kind of grow up with your audience and 
I think that's something that drew me in initially. No, yeah, no. I think character relatability is a is a big one. You know, whether it's the teenager stuff, the race things, the you know personality yeah. and everything. Also, just like a desire to have superpowers. I think that's it's kind of, in that respect. It's kind of like an X Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no superpowers. It, it's like it's like my X Men. Like where oh fuck, I I want to like cast lightning out of my hand and charge up and beat up some fools yeah i know for sure you know i think it's just boy superheroes and all of that were like pretty big it's a desire to feel powerful yeah to have some control over your life heck heck of a concept and construct that's been developed and uh i think that carried very well into just my third choice which or my top three um which was uh static shock which was this dc comic based thing it ran Earlier than I thought, it was 2000 and 2004, so I guess we were only four to eight years old, so I guess... I think, I think maybe we were just watching, like, syndicated episodes, because I remember watching it, like, beyond that. Yeah, this was one of my after-school shows, like, a go-to, like, I'd get home... Oh, for to sure. ...to my grandparents' house and walk upstairs and just, like, put this on, but this show was... <laughs> Don't do homework, put on TV. This show was dope, like, this show dealt with a lot of, like social issues that i was not even aware of at that young of an age yeah so the main character he's this like teenage african-american kid who gets in some like i think it's like some spill or something where he gets these powers and uh given the name static shock he gets these like electromagnetic powers he can like shock things he can like kind of like levitate and like do a lot of crazy cool things and he's super super badass and his dad is a cop which brings in a bunch of interesting issues it deals with like a lot of things with like gangs as well because a lot of the villains he fights pertain to different gangs and they happen to also be at this event where there was the spill that gave him the powers and so he's like dealing with this and he's got this super like nerdy friend that builds all these tech gadgets and kind of shows you don't need powers to like be cool but yeah no there was some pretty awesome fight scenes i think the powers were super crazy there was this one fire dude who would get furious. I don't know, right? He'd just be pissed off. Yeah, no, like, he was, like, one of the main villains, yeah. Yeah, then there was, like, this dude who could just stretch out. And a lot of the characters were actually just kind of jerks. They were, like, punks. And I think yeah, yeah. Static Shock, you know, having his powers when he was masked and had his cape, had that courage to, like, fight these dudes and, like, you know, be good to everyone else. So, yeah, yeah. that one was just a fun one. Yeah, funny that you mentioned kind of like that uh, origin story because I remember that distinctly. They all got their powers because they were in a gang fight. Yeah, like, they're right. They all like they all like they all like hopped the fence into like this like scientific facility and they were gonna all like fight each other and then they all got powers from that, which I thought was a super interesting concept. I was thinking about this earlier because I I took a little peek at your list in so many like Marvel and DC sto- origin stories the superhero has some like traumatic experience where they've like experienced like a loss mm-hmm. and then they get their powers and it's kind of this like redemption arc. Not to say that gang fighting isn't traumatic, but these were all kind of like high school punks who are going to go fight each other. Yeah. Which was, you know, like kind of a little shady and then they got superpowers. <laughs> so it's not like, it's not like there was like an exchange. Like they, they had this aggression towards each other and then they just got like, better weapons to fight each other which i think is is there a statement is there yeah, a message no, it's like there? here let's arm people who are trying to do trouble and then like what happens when you know the good guys get powers and the bad guys get powers and the battle just escalates yeah sh- exactly shout out to static shock on keeping it real there 
Yeah, or Virgil Hawkins. My boy, my boy Virgil, good right? Kid, good kid, good kid, Mad City. Virgil. Yeah, my, my number three also has to do with teenage uh, superheroes. We got Teen Titans, obviously the first rendition of that series. Not Teen Titans Go, although I've heard good things about that show. I've not watched it myself. Teen Titans just kind of had it all. They had this, they had a, a very like fun air to it sometimes. They always had like these like little chibi moments where like there was like cutesy comedic lapses. And then they would just have like very, very serious topics. I remember like maybe it was the season two finale where the Teen Titans have to deal with Tara, who is this homeless girl that they took in and she has the power to control like Earth and stuff. But then Tara turns evil, goes after all the Teen Titans. And up until like the very end of that episode, I seriously thought she had like killed, she had like straight up killed on the kids show all of the Teen Titans. Like she had like drowned like Raven with a bunch of these like mud hands. So I, I like that it had that mix of like the fun times and then also like the pretty like crazy times. Sorry, I, I also totally forgot that there was a whole season where they're literally in hell. Yeah, like like Raven's, Raven's dad is like literally the devil. <laughs> and in like a season finale, he gets like revived and then just like obliterates the world. <laughs> you know, you, you, you hate those awkward uh, family uh, reunions, Yeah, when your dad's right? uh the actual devil it's a little uh troubling <laughs> yeah yeah hey what you got oscar number two we're we're bringing it bring it around time ventures of jimmy neutron yeah um jimmy Oof. neutron good one good one heck of a show you know this is just the nerdy kid in me liking science and crazy adventures and jimmy you know was i think the peak of that whatever wild tech that you could imagine he built it and he was a kid and that was just just raw inspiration right there also sick hair you know, if it comes down to quality hair and characters, it's between Jimmy oh, Neutron and Johnny Bravo. You know, the amount of like, um, the amount of just like pomade that they That's must true. have just to keep it up. His hair was, a, Jimmy's hair was essentially just like a Sunday swirl is what that was. Yeah, or a little poop, depending on who you ask. You know, he had the dorkiest gang of friends, Sheen and Carl, <laughs> just complete bozo. <laughs> they were so weird. I, I, now, now I'm remembering him just like... Remarking they were so to... strange and I was like Jimmy was like he was awkward but he was smart he was chill but like Sheen and Carl were just dweebs they were just complete goons and it was funny that like yeah. you know Jimmy like still hung out with them and everything and he had this cool sick robotic dog Goddard so that was just super fun I think just uh, seeing that in his cave you know I feel like we might talk about this down the line our dream to have like a sick workshop and maker space and I think oh, Jimmy nailed it in that show and then the one other fond memory I have is I used to have the Jimmy Neutron game for my Game Boy. And that was such a fun game. And that was oh, like the first game I ever like learned to like get cheat codes on and like copy cheat codes for skipping levels. And my cousin <laughs> and I, my cousin Danny, shout out to Danny. We were on this trip down to Mexico with my grandma. And we had we had lost like the cheat codes to like the final boss levels. And it was like a good chunk. And we were, we committed mm -hmm. them to memory. It was like these like 10 letter numeral codes and we committed them to memory. We're like, we lost the paper or something. And like, we're like, okay, we got to just like make sure we get these down in case we lose it. And it was just between us trying to lock down the final levels. And we ended up beating it on that trip. But yeah, good memories all around. Number two for you. Number two for me, Avatar The Last Airbender. Again, it's way up there on my list just because one is a phenomenal series and two, 
it's one that I've rewatched, like, you know, to this day. It's just, like, stayed with me. And there's so many things in there that I loved. I loved the the Chinese culture that was just imbued throughout all of it, even though I, like, am pretty shaky on my Chinese to be able to, like, look at different, like, characters that were on the screen of this, like, very, like, mm-hmm. widely popular Nickelodeon show and be able to, like, recognize some of the words that were there. It was, like, super cool. I loved how they've you know like really built up this world like the earth kingdom is this like big vast empire that kind of mimics that of like the chinese dynasties you got the fire nation which i think took a a couple of cues from like imperial japan you have some things some like native concepts in the the water tribes and then the air nomads who are also like you know essentially chinese monks and also a quick plug i'm gonna add Keep This On is uh, The Legend of Korra, which is the sequel to Avatar The Last Ever and takes place like 70 years after it. And that one, I think, also understood that you have to grow a show with the audience. And so each season kind of mimics a, a period of like U.S. history. So the first the first season is about like a civil war between the haves and have, have-nots. And second season... Okay, second season was a little weird. It was about, like, spirits and stuff. Maybe it was something about spiritualism. The third one is about criminals. I, you know, I, I kind of likened it to, uh, like, anarchists, you know, back in, I guess, like, the 40s and 50s when the world was kind of on edge and people were deciding mm-hmm. how, well, like, what's the new world order? Is it going to be, like, you know, like, is it going to be, like, a dictatorship? Is it going to be order versus disorder? Things like that. <laughs> the fourth one is just straight up about fascism. You got some, yeah, and because they had built this world up so well, all of like the all of the st- the steps that followed it just like made sense. Like, oh, of course, like now you're gonna start having cars, but what do cars look like when people can bend the elements? What does government look like when you're moving past just like empires and tribes, and you're starting to coalesce in cities? So a lot of like really interesting thoughts about society and politics and technology that are like, you know, increasingly relevant today. So I remember oh. the last airbender, my number two. And we didn't, we didn't script this at all. We, we created these lists independently. Our shared number one, we'll try Bob to say it at the same time. <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, <laughs> it's an incredible delay. No, boom, number one. Blast that air horn. Pew, 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 pew. After, even, even after we gave these great monologues on how uh, these previous shows have inspired us to become engineers or, you know, represented our cultures respectively, we still land the on SpongeBob The most SpongeBob legendary Square show Pants. of all time. Epic. Great. I think SpongeBob <laughs> is continues to fuel our humor today and every day. It is a source of entertainment and memes. And fantastic subreddit. Episodic did not deceive itself in trying to have some sort of yep. life lesson at the end of each episode. In fact, I remember way more like confusing and sad ep- uh, episode endings than like ones that warmed my heart, but still fantastically entertaining. I think since be- because we're both quite big fanatics of the show do you want to talk about like a favorite episode yeah um i think one of the episodes that just like always comes to mind is i don't know the name of the episode but where uh 
It's one of the earlier ones, I think, when Patrick and and SpongeBob go out to hang out and kick it with Sandy. And then, uh, you know, the whole I need water scene where he thinks he's too cool for water. Although, <laughs> I need Pinky I up, SpongeBob, it. pinky I up. I need it. <laughs> just just dehydrates and squirrels in and shrivels up. But yeah, no, there was never any lessons to the episodes. They existed to exist for the source of entertainment. And I don't think they ever failed to deliver. I think one of the crazy things is like, I recently went back to watch like the first episode and a couple of those. And just the change in the animation style, I think there's a, a lot to be said there with just like over the time that the show existed, how that shifted and changed. But yeah, what's uh, what's your top one or most memorable? My my favorite one is the uh, the Krusty Krab training video. I think because it was like the first one in the show that bucked the normal narrative style, and you had this like almost story within the story where you had this training video from this like invisible man, and you were just like watching Mr. Krabs, Squidward, and SpongeBob from. I guess like through like through like a window and this one I love so much that back in the day of like YouTube downloader and having my iPod touch I would do I would download the episode from YouTube in thirds and then I would convert the video files and then upload it to my iPod touch just so that I could watch that single episode of SpongeBob on my phone. Oh my gosh, that's that's commitment. Parts. Gave us wonderful memes such as uh, the hoopla, the hoopla guy where uh it's like, oh, sounds like a lot of hoopla. Sounds like a lot of hoopla. And then he throws a brick at his face. Also, you always got to remember poop. You got to remember people order our patties. Yeah, infinite amount of content. One of the ones that I like is this one, I think, was one of the earlier episodes. The anchovies that come swarming the crusty crab. Oh, and he's got that. He's got like the tricked out uh, spatula, right? Yeah, and I remember the little tune that goes with it as like, they stop playing, like, there's no dialogue, and it's just Spongebob cranking out patties, and they're moving around, and it's just a little do-do-do-do-do-do-do-tune just going on. But yeah, number one, Spongebob Squarepants. Fantastic. Shout out shout out to Mr. Jorge Ochoa, who's also a, a purveyor of the fine arts of Spongebob. <laughs> I, would, I would absolutely love to just sit down and ask Jorge point yeah. blank. Like, just rapid fire how much we could pull from him. What Spongebob memes? I think I think that'd be a fun episode. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, make sure to tune in uh, when that comes on to air. But that brings us to the end of our, our first podcast recording. How are you feeling over there, Alex? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm, I'm doing awesome. This is such a delight to catch up with my buddy. Just shoot, shoot a little shit. We hope you enjoyed. Let us know what you think. Hit us up. Do whatever. Until next time. I'm Oscar Molina. And I'm Alex. Alex, okay. Audience members listening, we're going to hit you with two outros. First one, Alex takes it away. Second one, I'm going to go. Let us know which one you like and uh, we'll go from there. Alex, ready? shoot your best shot. Hey gang, we've got to head out now. Please make yourself at home and we'll see you next time. All right, hit me, Oscar. All right, here you go, folks. Here's my outro. Thank you for tuning in. In case we don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.